Listen. Just listen. I'm Serendipity Theater Collective Company member Rick Walker, and you're listening to Second Story Podcast. Second Story is Serendipity Theater Collective's festival of stories, wine, and music, a collaboration among writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. All right, our last wine tasting is a Hedges 2005 Three Vineyards Red from Red Mountain, Washington. Red Mountain is one of America's smallest, most elite viticultural zones. And Chris Hedges is one of Washington's very best winemakers. This blend of Merlot, Cab, and Cab Franc has amazing grip. It's dark and inky and brooding with loads of minerality, cassis, and tannin. One of the coolest, most serious wines we have ever shown at the festival. Our next reader is an Aries. She loves vacuuming and upside down roller coasters. Please welcome Miss Rosie Forrest. My dad's coming to town. Not Chicago, really, but Joliet. Last year was Aurora, the year before Elgin. He comes to town for work, and sometimes he has a free morning or afternoon. If he does, he takes the metro downtown, and we meet for coffee or lunch or a brisk walk through Millennium Park. He's over six feet tall, my dad. I'm five foot three. When we go for walks, I've learned to step lively, as he says. It helps me not fall behind. He's never seen my apartment in Chicago. I've never seen his house in Williamsburg. We talk about the weather, about computers, and about ham sandwiches, sliced thin Swiss cheese brown mustard. And sometime around two or four or seven, he strolls back to the train station and is gone for another year. This is my dad. This is me. This is me and my dad. And I don't tell you this because it's a tragic tale of father-daughter angst. I tell you this because once upon a time, we sang a very different tune. Extra, extra, hey look at the headline, historical news is being made. When I was a little girl, I was part of a team, a duo. Extra, extra, they're drawing a red line around the biggest scoop of the decade. Not just any duo, a father-daughter duo. A barrel of charm, that part was me. A fabulous thrill, well, the whole damn experience, I guess. The biggest little headline in Vaudeville, or Fairfax, Virginia, 1983. Presenting, in person, that three foot three bundle of dynamite. Hello, everybody, my name's Rosie, what's yours? Do a few tricks, some old and then some new tricks. I'm very versatile. We had a system, my dad and me, every other weekend, his house. Two bowls of spaghetti, ginger ale for him, glass of milk for me, maybe a small salad, and Broadway. So let me entertain you, and we'll have a real good time, yes sir. We'll have a real good time. And I did have a real good time. I had the best time. But here's why. Because in the heart of my living room, I got to sing with my dad. And when that happened, I was a star. 
Okay, let's back up. Here are a few key details that will help set the scene. My dad began to play the piano when he was eight years old. He was good, prodigy good, the kind of good that parents in Long Island in the 1950s didn't know what to do with. He didn't play sports, he played the piano. He didn't play board games, he played the piano. And when his mother hosted a cocktail party, he was instructed to sit in the corner and play the piano. At the age of 18, my dad got a scholarship to Juilliard. He never told anybody he applied, and he never told anybody he won a scholarship. Instead, he went to uh, Ithaca College and majored in accounting. (laughs) I know. Uh, My parents got divorced when I was five, and that same year, my dad thought it would be the practical thing to become a travel agent. Have you ever given up something like that? I ask because I don't know what that does to a person. For someone whose world exists on black and white keys, I imagine the decision to become a travel agent sounds something like this. And also like this. But every other Saturday, somewhere between the Muppet Babies and our silent spaghetti dinner, it sounded like this. My first song, I'm sorry to say, was rather typical. I learned that first song and belted it out to absolutely nobody. (laughs) The sun will come out tomorrow. And I stood there with my chubby legs and my teeth that were already begging for braces. And I bet my bottom dollar that tomorrow there'd be sun. And I didn't just sing it. I believed it. It was so true. Just thinking about tomorrow does clear away the cobwebs and the sorrow. (laughs) The notion of mom's house, dad's house was still brand spanking new and I wasn't a fan. I couldn't find certain toys and my favorite socks were always at the wrong house. Somehow though, my dad had discovered a way to distract me. He'd grab a songbook from the alphabetized bookshelf, a well-loved songbook with the name of a classic musical scrawled in cursive across the front. We'd start at the beginning and work our way through with my dad interjecting the major plot points in between. So Don Lockwood and Lena Lamont are stars of the silent film industry. But Lena gets it all wrong, see? She thinks she and Don are really in love because the fan magazines say so. Singing in the rain? It's Germany in the 1930s. The Nazis are rising to power. Sally Bowles, an American singer featured at the Kit Kat nightclub, falls in love with Brian, her confused neighbor. (laughs) Cabaret? Every other weekend, I'd learn a new song. Hours upon hours at the piano, perfecting the notes and, and memorizing the lyrics. Let's take it from the top, he'd say, or watch that last note, you were a little sharp. I learned how to step ball change, how to bow with deep gratitude, and how to introduce myself. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Rosie, and I'm thrilled to be with you tonight. My dad taught me about something called presence. You gotta have it the moment you walk out on that stage, champ. You gotta make it so they can't take their eyes off of you. The musicals were many. Oklahoma, South Pacific, Carousel, I did a decent job with the songs written for kids, songs from Annie and Oliver, but those weren't the songs I loved to sing. Those weren't the characters I wanted to be. My heart and soul belonged to the raunchy roles, (laughs) the ones designed for brunettes who could growl. Velma Kelly, famed murderess, sings about the dirty dealings of Chicago in the 1930s. Come on, babe, why don't we paint that down? stockings down and all that jazz and 
And in my mind, I was in a nightclub. I was beautiful. I was sexy. I was six. My dad bought me a hot pink binder. I kept all my songs in it. My repertoire. I loved three-hole punching the crisp white pages and hooking the metal rings on through. I cut out my name in bubble letters and rubber glued it across the front. I I even covered the bubble letters with strips of scotch tape as a sort of makeshift lamination device. Then I plastered both sides with stickers of all kinds. Scratch and sniff stickers were my favorites. This was my binder, after all. My binder filled with my songs that I got to sing with my dad. Every spring break, my dad and I traveled to San Diego to visit our extended family. But the year I turned seven, this trip was a dream come true. After two years of practicing songs and dancing my heart out in the living room, we were taking our show on the road. On March 20th, 1986, I would be performing for my grandmother's 75th surprise birthday party to be held at the Wesley Palms Retirement Community. It was a fancy affair. So I wore my blue dress with sequins along the knee-length hem and my white patent leather shoes. The banquet room was reserved for the evening. It said so in movable letters and the sign in the lobby. 25 tables dotted the space, ready to accommodate the 250 expected guests. At the other end of this enormous room, just when the tables faded away, there stood my stage. The glint of the microphone sparkled like a single fleck of glitter. My dad handed me my very own neatly folded program, and right there on the inside, listed after dinner but before dancing, was the phrase, Entertainment by Bud and Rosie Forrest. I slipped it inside the front pocket of my pink binder for safekeeping. I could barely eat. The Salisbury steak looked like it might coat my delicate singer's throat with a fine gray film. I was so nervous, we took our places, my dad at the piano and me at the microphone, which had been lowered to its shortest possible height. Triumphantly, I placed my pink binder behind me. I didn't need it. I knew these songs cold. We opened with one of my standards, a favorite from Gypsy. If mama was married, we'd live in a house as private as private can be. Just mama, three ducks, five canaries, a mouse, two monkeys, one father, six turtles, and me. If mama was married. Perhaps a little odd considering my own mother was about to be remarried later that month to the man she left my father for. But no one seemed surprised. No one seemed to notice. In fact, no one was paying any attention. While we were slated after dinner, dessert was still being served. We were officially background music. Like the piano player at Nordstrom. We brushed it off and moved on to the next one. The musical, Damn Yankees. The character, Lola, the assistant to the devil. Whatever Lola wants. better. The first two rows of tables, their heads were, were turning my way. Their, their forks were down and their eyes were locked on me. I must have it, I thought. I've got presents. <laughs> Time to bring it on home with a little Kit Kat nightclub, a little cabaret. Mama, 
I'm living in a convent, a secluded little convent in the southern part of France. Mama doesn't even have an inkling that I'm working at a nightclub in a pair of lacy pants. So please, sir, if you run into my mama, don't reveal my indiscretion. Give a working girl a chance. The whole room, even the chandeliers, were watching me. My dad added an extra flourish here and there. I looked back at him during one of the choruses, and he gave me a big thumbs up without missing a beat. I strut my way to the front of that stage, and I struck my pose for the final line. So if you see my mummy, mum's the word. I know, right? You might think, but, uh, but, but nothing. Silence. A field of blank poppies stared back at me, like the ones the Wicked Witch of the West conjured to poison Dorothy. I froze. It was time for me to take my final bow, but I, I couldn't move. A chair squeaked from the front table, and my grandmother rose with stately grace. She crossed the dance floor so briskly, I felt the breeze of her blow by. Refusing to speak to someone three feet higher than she was, she beckoned to my father to join her on the ground level, but it wasn't far enough away for me not to hear words like inappropriate, embarrassment, and vulgar. The crowd began to mumble at the exact volume that melts words into shapeless sounds. The clatter of dessert plates provided awkward clinks and clanks. I perched on the edge of that stage and I wondered where it all went wrong. Somehow, I motivated myself to retrieve my pink binder, which smelled of blueberry and bubblegum stickers. I held it tight as I shuffled to my dad's side. What happened? I asked as he looked to the ceiling for an escape route. Nothing, champ, he said. All my fault. She'd asked that we do some different songs, and we didn't do them. That's all. We stood there for a moment. I searched for an outline of a trap door in the carpet. We were so comfortable up on that stage, but just off to the side, we didn't have a clue how to help each other. We just never knew what to say. As if reading my mind, my dad grabbed hold of my hand and whispered in the only language we shared. Pick out a pleasant outlook. Stick out that noble chin. Wipe off that full of doubt look. Slap on a happy grin. And together, we left the community of Wesley Palms and headed somewhere, anywhere, a bit friendlier. And spread sunshine all over the place. Just put on a happy, put on a happy face. Guys are gonna clear up, put on a happy face. Brush off the clouds and cheer up, put on a happy face. Take off the gloomy mask of tragedy, it's not your style. You look so good that you'll be glad you decided to smile. The Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Christopher Jobson, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, and Rick Walker. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, and our performers, visit us at storiesandwine.com. 
just put on a happy face Put on a happy face Put on a happy face And if you're feeling cross and bickerish Don't sit and whine Think of banana splits and licorice And you'll feel fine I knew a girl so gloomy She'd never laugh or sing She wouldn't listen to me Now she's a mean old thing So spread sunshine all over the place Just put on a happy face so gloomy she'd never laugh or sing she wouldn't listen to me now she's a mean old thing so spread sunshine all over the place just 